You may be seated for our scripture reading at this time. Our gospel reading for this day from Mark's gospel in the third chapter. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons. He casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. His mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of our Lord. Would you please join your hearts together with mine in prayer, because I don't see any of our little ones with us this evening. So, we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have brought us together uh, to receive your gifts and your word, which you bring to us. We pray, Lord, that you would... Guide us by your spirit and open our hearts to hear all that you would have us hear. In your son Jesus' name, we praise and thank you. Amen. If I were to ask you what it means to be a family man, I bet I would get just about as many responses as there are people here. I mean, there's a lot of different ways in which we grew up with someone in the household, or maybe not even our own household, but looked into somebody else's household to kind of have an idea of what it meant to be a family man. And does it mean providing for the family at all costs? So sometimes even putting family aside so that everything can be taken care of, and maybe kids don't really get to know the man of the house very much. Maybe in some settings and circumstances? Does it mean that he's there all the time to take care of every need and change every diaper as they come along with infants and take care of all of the things that need to be taken care of in the house? Maybe. Maybe it does mean that in some households. Some households, maybe we end up looking into a friend's house or a neighbor's house for what it means to have a man in the house. Some households are, are broken in that sense, and it's hard to imagine what it would be like. I mean, on this day, on June 6th, we think even back all the way to the beaches of Normandy, D-Day. What did it mean to be a family man on that day? Well, a lot of them didn't even get a chance to know what a family was, of their own anyway, maybe as a son or a brother, not as a head of a household, though, and some of them did, and for them... 
heading off to secure freedoms for a home and maybe even fight for the chance of freedom somewhere else is what it meant to be a family man and a soldier and to die for that cause. There's a lot of different things that we can wrestle with with what it means to be a family man. And in the text today, we see Jesus kind of redefine family a little bit. But here, here's what I'm talking about. So as he's there, remember what's going on. So Jesus has been raised within a house where Joseph was present, and he learned the trade of his father, right? He was a craftsman. He was a carpenter, which meant they worked with wood and stone and built all kinds of things throughout the region of Galilee and throughout Nazareth and throughout Israel, really. I mean, there was a lot of different places that they would be building. Remember, the Herods, the few of them, really liked building things and architecture and making their name known through the buildings that were around. And so Jesus knew how to do these things. And at some point, Joseph wasn't around anymore. We don't really know when that happened, but we just kind of see him fade out of the story. And we don't really hear of Joseph, but we hear of Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters. So at some point, Jesus becomes the man of the household. And the expectation would be that he would work and that he would bring in money and that he would provide for that house and that he would take care of his younger siblings and his mother and that he would make sure that every need was met. It's funny to think of Jesus having to think of the earthly needs that are needed in the household, isn't it? We always talk about Jesus meeting every need, but think of him as this older sibling and son. And when dad is gone, now... Possibly, Jesus is walking around as a rabbi, not really gaining any income. Kind of an odd place to think of Christ being. And here he is standing in front of his house as the family has food together. And it was the eldest man in the household's job to kind of bring order to the mealtime. Now, mom would have prepared everything and got it ready and brought it out. But It was dad's job to start the prayers. It was dad's job or the eldest brother's job to kind of keep things in order. And at this point, the crowd has grown so big that they didn't even have room to eat. Think of the elbow room you like at the table. Yeah, they didn't have that. Not enough room to even gather and eat together. So much commotion and everything going on, pressing in around Jesus and his household that there was no room to even enjoy a family meal. So he heads out and he continues to teach and heal, bringing all the things necessary for the people that were around and what they needed to hear. And as they continue to hear, as they continue to come to him to hear what he has to say as he has been teaching and ministering and doing all kinds of things around the region, his family comes out and says, let him be. He's out of his mind and beside himself. He's crazy. Let him come in and eat. Mary and the family trying to silence Jesus. The Pharisees come in, and they say he's not crazy. He's possessed. That's what he is. He's possessed by a demon. He's possessed by Beelzebul, and that's how he has power to cast out all these other demons because it's not just a craziness. It's actual possession. Can you imagine Looking at Jesus and saying you're possessed by an evil spirit? The very Son of God, 
doing the will of the Father and being called evil. Again, trying to silence Jesus. And so at this point, we get a few little parables, right? And he says a kingdom can't stand, a, a, um, a divided kingdom can't stand, and a house divided will fall, and all the little parables that are in there, right? And he says, how can Satan rise up against himself and cast out Satan? And then we get this one verse that we always have to wrestle with a little bit. All those who utter blasphemies against the Holy Spirit have committed an eternal sin and there is no forgiveness. And we wrestle with that. And we wonder, is it kind of a one and done thing? So when I'm like 14 and I reject God, is that something that's going to shape me for the whole rest of my life? Is that something that is going to hold on to me and that there's absolutely no forgiveness for that? Well, no. I mean, the line right before, Jesus said, all sins committed by the Son of Man would be forgiven. So what's he talking about? Well, specifically in that context, he's talking about the Pharisees. He's pointing to them because they just said the very Son of God has an evil spirit, and that's what they're holding on to. That's what they're saying is that Jesus is not who he says he is, and they're holding on to that belief. Now remember, not all the Pharisees held on to that. You had Nicodemus later on who believed in Jesus. You had Zacchaeus, who was another one who believed in Jesus and saw him for who he is because the word of God had gripped them and held on to them, right? And so it's not that one time it happens in our life and then all of a sudden there's no forgiveness anymore. But we have the hope to hold on to that Christ continually works on his people. As the Holy Spirit of God continues to work and call people unto himself all the way up until their last breath and say, look, you're mine. You're my child. You're baptized in my name, right? And so that's the hope that we rest in. Because as Jesus even said, he said, look, you can't go into a strong man's house and take what he has unless you first find the strong man. Now, we oftentimes want to, you know, always put Jesus in the positive role there and the one that is going to be strong and the one that is going to carry strength. But in this case, he's saying, no, look, Satan has to be bound. I'm not doing all this by Satan, but I am doing this with a view of binding Satan so that I can go back in and grab all those who are mine. See, as Satan had tempted Adam and Eve and as the world had been corrupted by sin, and as sin then gripped all of those souls from their birth and in their creation, having that corruption upon them, Jesus then goes in, binds Satan, and starts taking people back, pulling them into his family, pulling them into the ones who would do the will of the Father, right? Because he says, all those who are my family are the ones who do the will of the Father. So then all of a sudden we have to wonder again, okay, well now what's the will of the Father? What do I have to do? What keeps me in this family? What is it that I have to put before God that I have to hold on to, that I have to accomplish in order to consider, continue to be considered family before God? Well, you've got to jump a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, you've got to jump two gospels. Head over to John chapter 20, and we hear the will of God. Jesus himself says, the will of the Father is this, that all would see the Son and believe on him 
and have eternal life. So we say, okay, so we got to believe. Great. You know what? That's not even fully in your power to begin with anyway. That's a gift God has given you. That's a gift God has given you as his name was placed upon you in baptism. As you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he planted within your heart faith to believe the promise of the coming Messiah who has come and the promise of eternal life because of all that he has done for you. And as he went to the cross and died there for your sins and went into the tomb, we confess in the creed in just a little while that he also descended into hell, a victory lap, if you will, as he descended into hell to tell Satan, you no longer have power over this creation. You no longer have power over all of these souls. Satan, you're strong, but you're bound, and I'm taking them all back. I'm taking them back as my family. I'm taking them back as my brothers and sisters because I have died for them, I have risen for them, and they are mine. That's who you are, dear child of God. You are Christ. He has died for you. He has risen for you. Your sins are forgiven because of what he has done, and you believe because of the faith that he has given you and the power of the Holy Spirit that has worked upon you throughout your life to draw you unto Christ, to call you unto himself, and to hold on to you in the grip of Christ as opposed to the grip of Satan. Because Satan has been bound. That strong man, tied up. He still does what he can to hold on to those that he can. But Christ is strong. And our hope lies in him. And as you look around and you wonder what it looks like to be family sometimes, look at the family this day. A family that God has brought together. A family that no matter what your household situation has looked like in life, whether it has been idyllic or whether it has been broken, Christ came to bring reconciliation between creation and creator and to bring family together that may not have ever thought of themselves as family. But this family goes around the world. It actually goes throughout time and into eternity. A family brought together by God through his Son and by the power of the Spirit to bring you all together as family. As our kids this morning said, family that is there to take care of one another and to enjoy joys together. It was beautiful to hear those words on the lips of our kids when I asked them what the most important things were to them about family. And they said, well, we take care of one another. And we live through all the fun things together. Yeah, it kind of hits all of it. As they get older and mature, I'm sure they would say, we take care of one another through the deep parts and the joyful parts, through the hard times and the happy times, through all of those things, we get to live life together. And as God has called you together and placed his name and Christ's righteousness upon you, you get to live into eternity together. A family that takes care of one another. What a beautiful family to be a part of. And it's Christ who calls you brother and sister. It's Christ who calls you his own. So what does it look like to be a family man? Well, to us, sometimes it doesn't always look the same. Not by any means. Sometimes it just looks like doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do and we can't quite wrap our heads around it. And Christ standing out there in the middle and not listening to mom and not going in for dinner, but preaching unto the people that their sins would be forgiven. I pray that's what you hear. When you gather here to hear God's word for you, your sins forgiven, 
your life, given back to you. Because Satan has no hold over you. But Christ does. He has plundered Satan's house and taken you home. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would hold on to us in your family. They continue to build our faith by the work of your Spirit. We pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, that you'd give us opportunity to live life together by your grace and your mercy, taking care of one another and enjoying the joys together. In Jesus' name, amen.